Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name's Phil. Joining me as usual, I've got Rohan. How's it going? Hey, good. And joining us from the US, we've got Brett. Hey, Brett. Hi, how's it going? This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Navigation. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certs, or any other YAML. All right, so tell us a bit about yourself, Brett, where you're from in the, the US and, and what's got you started in Home Assistant. I'm from Charleston, West Virginia, uh, over on the eastern seaboard. Mm-hmm. Um, I I got I got started in the Home Assistant since I was a programmer for since I started going to school for programming. But then it kind of evolved into it's kind of evolved into just teaching others how to program. Yep. Because co- computer science in this area doesn't really exist. Some people think we're the boonies and it's essentially what that is. Technology other than IT just doesn't really exist around here. Right. I know. I remember your email that you sent us through. You're like, you know, the, the non-existent tech world of uh, West Virginia or something like that, I think you said. Yeah. So how long, what time, what release of Home Assistant did you get started with? I think it was release 0.3, 0.35. Okay. So pretty early, yeah. Yeah. So, somewhere around. I think Phil and I were in that era too some yeah. point. but I think so. And yeah. had you used any other automation systems before Home Assistant or was Home Assistant your first, you know, foray to home automation? If you want to count Amazon Alexa, when, but like before that, before all of the, before their hub kind of, it got introduced. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then ift before they went to a paid model, then yeah, mm. that was probably the close, that's probably the closest thing I have. And so I guess, okay, so you've got ift, um, the Amazon Echo, I'm assuming then you've, you would have started with, you know, some smart lights. Um, they're all, you know, cloud-based, and, and then you've, you've grown from there. How, how did that come about? I, we Well, I didn't start – I started it for my grandfather, since both of us are a little more tech-oriented. Uh, tech, uh, nice. He wanted he wanted some cool – he wanted some cool lights to play around with. So we got him, like, a Philips Hue starter kit. Uh, we got that – We I amazed him with how quick I can learn this stuff, and I, I, I used an ift recipe – just so that he can text the color of a light, and then it'll happen. Oh, interesting. Cool. So he could, like, text, you know, red to a certain phone number, and then the lights would change red. Yeah. That's cool. Nice. Was there a use case for that, or was it just, hey, this is cool, no. let's do it, why not? <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't a use case. I just thought it'd be funny. Yep, that's cool. There, there, well, There I is mean, no need for a logical use case if you can do something... Just for giggles. Yeah, that's that's where I that's where I currently am now with the insane stuff I pull off in Home Assistant now. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I keep telling a funny story all the time where I automated my door lock to a toilet. Do- okay, please, I'm going to need to tease that. Tell me more. So you automated a door lock to a toilet, like as in just the toilet at home or at yes, the yes, uh, toilet at my house. <laughs> it's just an arbitrary <laughs> so, toilet somewhere, <laughs> just a random public toilet. It's automated. I- <laughs> No, that's in my plans, that. just for fun. <laughs> no, my cat, uh, she she likes to get in the toilet, and she's gotten sick a lot from drinking the water. So uh, right. one of the problems that I had is that, you know, I can't stop that when guests come over and they don't close the lid. So mm-hmm. a passive-aggressive way that I do it is I, go through a, is I go through a Z-Wave door sensor. It's like how Dr. Z's did it in his, like, tutorial on doing yep. that. So it opened the lid, it unlocks the door, it also, like, turns on a wax melter for, like, 10 minutes, and the exhaust fan. 
Uh, and then it will not unlock the door until you close the lid. So basically someone's locked in your toilet until they close the lid of the toilet. I, I was going to ask, how many times this has backfired? It has not backfired yet. <laughs> okay. Because I, because I, here's the funny thing. Um, I have a, like one of the Zemi smart switches. Like I put, I flashed them with ESP home. It's like the ones with the three buttons. Mm-hmm. It's like with like an Australian faceplate or something. Mm-hmm. So I mounted that in there. And then the third button, the the bottom button on that switch is an emergency unlock. But you have to double click it to have it as an emergency unlock so that I have some safety. But I did put an automation in there. It says if like if the there's a, it's a different it's like a timing thing since I put it in ESP home as a different timing. If you do a regular double click, the echo inside the bathroom will say, maybe you should close the lid before I let you out. Wow. So you're. <laughs> I mean, there's passive aggressive, and then there's that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the whole reason I made it. <laughs> wow, I like that. Even, I think, even the I, am- I think we just found ourselves an episode title right there. Yeah, <laughs> Brett, Brett, and his passive aggressive automation. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. So uh, let's. I, I really, I'm really fascinated by this. So I'm in your toilet, and I haven't closed the lid. What door lock, or how is the door locked? Is it like a magnetic? Um, it's a it's a magnetic lock. Yep. Yeah. I'm assuming then it is that if the power's out, the failsafe is that it will then yeah. unlock. Yep. Okay. That's cool. mostly a safety reason, so that if a fire happens, power goes out. Then yep. Yeah, big. Like I'm not trying. I'm not trying to trap them and just get into a fire. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I all I'm trying to do is make sure the lid's closed. <laughs> I'm not trying to kill them. I mean, you really must care about your lid being closed if you're trying to kill him at that point. So, you'll—it's it's like the whole thing. It's like Spider-Man Three. It's like you'll get your rent when you fix this door. That's right. It's—it's—it's it's, it's like, kind of like that kind of aggressiveness. And, and I'm guessing just a post-it note on the back of the door near the handle, you know, please close the toilet lid before you leave. It wasn't good enough. Yeah. What other have you have you got to the, like any other passive aggressive automations in the house that you just thought yeah the toilet door automations worked perfectly everyone knows now that they you know have to put the toilet lid down before I'll let them out of the toilet what else can I you know annoy people with well there actually is another one for the bathroom too so um, it's where where since the litter box is in the bathroom and mm. I had to keep that door open for my cat because of my course. cat's an older my cat's an older cat. Can't can't really move the litter box anywhere else. I don't really have a choice. So I had to put a door sensor on there. But if the light is off and the door is closed, it announces to every single echo in the house. It's like you need to keep the door open for the cat. Right. I wouldn't. That's probably the, I'm, that's probably the most passive aggressive that comes to that. But that did backfire. Um, that one was not fun. Um, I was on a trip to Lynchburg, Virginia, and I was gone from that. Um, my uncle and my grandfather, they were working on this room that I'm in here right now because we were just putting new floors in and stuff. My grandfather doesn't have any pets, so he kept the do- he he passive aggressively wanted me to. He was changing the trim in a door, mm-hmm. and he couldn't change the top trim because of the door sensor. So his way of passive aggressively telling me you need to take the door sensor off is to take the battery out of the sensor. And the problem is, is that he left that day. The battery was out of the sensor. And he closed the door to the bathroom, not firing the automation. Uh, right. No. So, of course, home assistant didn't know that the door was closed. Yep. What did you come home to? <laughs> I came home to a lot of poop. 
<laughs> and a very angry cat, I bet. No, no, not an angry cat. She's barely angry, but I'm just, she was probably scared because of how I would react because I have to retrain her now. I'm still retraining her after that because it's been two weeks. Wow. Because, I mean, older cats, they're a lot harder to train. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That makes uh, sense, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, I mean, it or could also, I mean, it sounds like people coming over to your house don't, you know, if they need to use the bathroom, they might go somewhere else. Like, but maybe it's embarrassing having to leave the bathroom door open if they've just had to do a doozy and it's not the cat, right? Like, Well, the thing is, is that it's when the light is off and the door is closed. Right. Okay. 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 And I don't, and I don't know anybody in my like in my immediate family that would keep the light off and the door closed. Yep. Unless they're like you know maniacal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right. So okay. So that's your your cat. What other cool other automations have you got around the place? Well, I used I I have like smaller ones. Like I used what you built with Hot Dockermon. Mm-hmm. And I use that to automate um, the Am- some Amcrest to MQTT Docker containers. Ah, oh, nice. So, so that it only turn it turns on the container if the doorbells are online. Okay. So so it saves it. I'm running my entire system off of a office computer I ripped out of a musical instrument store. So it's a processing power is like gold. Right? Yeah. So it's, uh, tell me the logic on why you only want those containers running when the cameras are on. Like, do the cameras go offline for something? Or well, mostly because I haven't mounted them yet, and they're more of a they're more of a I haven't mounted them yet because this house that I'm currently in was built in the 40s, so I mm-hmm. have to replace literally everything about it. Like the walls are super thin. There's literally no insulation in the house. The wiring in this house is quite literally cloth wrapped wire from the 40s. Which yeah, is a wow. huge, huge fire hazard now. Yeah, you think? Wow, that's mm-hmm. crazy. So I have to change everything about this house before I can even consider stuff like that. You don't have no idea how many automations I had to create with a Nest thermostat or even some power, power like like smart plugs, just to keep the heat in here while also retaining enough energy to you know so that it doesn't go through the roof. Of course. And and the and I considered solar quite a few times. Problem is, is that where, I, where geographically where I live in West Virginia, if you don't like to do coal, then you're the enemy of the coal because we're 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 basically just a we're a state that's coal dependent. Right. We're the, most of the state is coal miners and everything else like that. And if you talk about anything that's not coal, it, I think you get burned at the stake for that. Sure, I guess it kind of makes sense, right? Especially as it, it drives a lot of the economy and creates a lot of jobs there locally, but yeah, well, yeah, but I, I understand that's um yeah. that's one of the big things that like I've I'm still into solar and I'm still like I kind of have to be a part of the like they they don't have any good solar programs around here and that's mainly because where I live it's the same it turns out it's the same thing as Kentucky too so because they're also coal driven too yeah. But hey, if I'm going to be advancement, I might as well step for step forward first. <laughs> yep. No, 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 no better time to do it, right? But so and so the cameras, like you haven't mounted them when they go offline. Like, so I'm get why would they go offline? Like, is there like are they battery power cameras or they you just disconnecting them regularly? Like, is there a, a schedule mm. that you're running them to? 
Uh, not quite. Um, it's mainly because it's mainly because I I wanted them to kick online when when I initially mount the thing, like right. when I mount it, and then my Unify system detects, "Hey, I saw this on the network," and then Home Assistant says, "Hey, I'm going to turn on the on the uh, Docker container." Yep. It's mostly because I don't want to forget to turn on the Docker container when I finally mount the thing. Makes sense. Yep. Right. So it's it's a temporary automation, really. It's yep. not going to be permanent. And what is that um, Docker container you're using doing? Like, does that like just pull in a video feed into Home Assistant, or does it save the recordings from the cameras? Or no, um, it's a uh, it's what DigiBlur DIY made for uh, Amcrest the MQTT, or at least yep. he was showing about. Essentially, it just gives me more data and the button press itself, which is great because then I could just do some funny things when somebody does like uh, when presses the doorbell because I have a. I had I made a ESP home device using the uh, what is it the MP3 player thing like the DF player. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I used the sound clip from South Park. It's like, Mom, get the door. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sca- scares people a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> that's funny. That's 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 good. I like it. Uh, that's one of the other reasons why I wanted to automate stuff to do and do like deep stack and facial recognition stuff since I haven't yeah. done that yet. So. One of the things I wanted to do is you, you're familiar with Colin Furs, yes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to recreate the uh, the airsoft AK-47 coming out of the uh, coming out of the bush, but <laughs> wow. add some, but add some, but add a D1 mini as the controller and just just wreak havoc. Yeah, I think because I get a lot of door to door people, I get a lot of I get a lot of uh, like Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of people I don't want to talk to. Sure, and it's. And it's not, and it's not a crime around here, so I can get away with it scot free. <laughs> I guess that's one interesting use case for home assistant. <laughs> yeah, that's one I would just... aggressive. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. Right. That's right. That's not. Yeah, that's not. That's just aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> that's just. That's, that's just. That's just straight rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how how do you drive a lot of these? So I know I know you talked about a couple of these automations, and for the most part, they seem to be pretty like automated. Automated. I know you talked about your grandfather's i don't know if, if he's in, if it's in the same house or not where you can text a color and it changes the lights and stuff How, is, is like what ways do you use to drive it so is it through the amazon echoes tablets phone um like just through the automations like, yeah like like the original way like how i started or like current. well, cur- currently currently well so here's the thing i'm doing something kind of weird with this whole thing where I, I'm doing a little bit of Node Red and then home on a, and like Home Assistant stuff based on what application it is. If it's like, okay. it like I know I have the Watchdog for for Node Red, but one of the things I wanted to do is like you know make it su- if I want to make it like super simple and work with Home Assistant when Home Assistant boots, it'll be a Home Assistant automation. If okay. it's like yeah. something super complex like my alarm system, that's going to be on Node Red because then I could visualize it better. Yeah. Yeah, okay. okay, that makes sense. But like, like, do you do you use any voice or anything though? Yeah, I have a bunch of echoes around here, and um, I do a lot of. Uh, I I kind of have this, like, I do I do that, and then I have Fire Seven tablets all over the house. I have like five cool. of them, so that I can so that I can drive all, all all sorts of like. I even have it where it dual boots two apps. It uses the fully kiosk browser, mm-hmm. but it but it also it uses Android IP webcams. And it mm. makes it so that I can have streaming webcams only on by because I have it sent an MQTT message to each unit in Tasker that can turn on the app when I'm not home. 
and then it turns off the app when I am home. So it's more of a security layer for me. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. That's interesting. And you've just got like a Lovelace dashboard running on those tablets throughout the house? I that see that was actually something I'm working on. It's originally the Lovelace dashboard that I've made, but it's been so messy and and you know, it, it it's just messy and put together. It's been built up for like five, six years, but mm. uh, but man, it's just been it's messy and I just need to work on it a little more. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Like I've how do you find the speed of the tablets too? I know I've got a couple of uh fire tablets and the speed can be a little bit slow um uh, to, I, you know, navigate around you know you know speed wasn't that bad to me um but i think that's not the main concern the main concern is the ads the Uh, ads that you see on the front of it i hate it i hate it so much i have tried scripts i found on github to get rid of these to get rid of these ads if they're exclusively going to be for like tablet installations and they will just wake your screen they'll just wake your screen just to look at the ad it's what it's woken me up before because the screen's just so bright even if I adjusted the brightness through fully and the uh, custom component in hacks, it just it just is blaring. It's, it's the worst thing. Yeah, because wow. I've got like the the ad supported version too, and I found that when I was running fully kiosk, as long as fully kiosk, you know, I did, didn't lock the screen in the Android settings. Um, fully kiosk was technically you know the foreground app that was constantly running, and it would just black the screen. Um, I didn't. I never found that the ads would, you know, turn themselves on. I will well, find that, um, you know, if fully kiosk crashed or whatever, uh, then the, you know, the, I may see an ad or something. But generally, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, I think. I think like I found like I found that, but that was under screensaver, not really locking the screen. I yes, think that's yeah. what I, I think. That's what I I tried and I saw that too. Yeah, it was definitely like yeah, just a setting somewhere in, in fully kiosk, you know, just black the screen um, instead of for that for, for a screensaver, right? Uh, but I think the last episode we just had um, with Michael, he mentioned uh, you've probably tried it. There's a script out there near the Windows computer to install a whole new version of Android on a Fire tablet. Um, I looked, I had a quick look at it. it. Does look like you need to take the back off your tablet and you know put it into a reset mode by, you know, touching a couple of jumper points or whatever. So mm-hmm. if you haven't tried that, maybe there's an option to try and. Oh, I'm the... going to try it. Like I am no stranger to ripping apart random electronics that I probably there shouldn't be in. Yeah. So. L- links yeah. to the, where the uh, guide I found, there's like a YouTube video that shows you how to do it um, or in the show notes of that previous episode. So yeah, definitely check it out. That might be, might give you an opportunity to root the device and put a clean version of Android on. Oh, definitely. Cause I just love to, I, I like ripping things apart and just seeing what can, what can, it's like, what can I do with technology that probably shouldn't be done, but I'll do it anyway. Yeah. You know, I yep. want to see if what I can do just, just for fun, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And sure, for listeners sure. listening today, I'll uh, relink that YouTube video in these show notes as well. Just so you don't have to hunt around for it. But yeah, definitely. Uh, if you've got windows available, I've got Mac at the moment. So if you've got windows available, yeah, definitely give it a try. All right. Do you do uh, with those? Uh, with I know you mentioned you're using the cameras on the thing. Do you do any um, people detection or anything like that, or is that in your plans? I think you said you were going to do some uh, object recognition down the road. Are you planning on doing that with those as well to say, "Hey, I detect a human," rather than "Hey, here's a like a 
bee or a fly or something buzzing past the camera. Yes, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because this is the, also the other thing that I learned from Phil when he did his grossy stuff, when mm-hmm. he was like doing stock stuff. Yep. I thought of a cool idea. I found a video a long time ago where, where they were trying to mimic like a smart, like a Samsung smart fridge using their own stuff. So they use like a Raspberry Pi one and then like a USB camera and use the motion mm-hmm. library. But I thought to myself, technology has advanced since then. I could probably do it better. So mm-hmm. I did. I took a ESPI and I and I hardwired it into the 12 volt rail of the of the fridge, just so that I can have a good bird's eye. I changed the lens out to a to a fisheye lens, so that it can actually detect if I have like a certain object that I need from the store. If it's not there, it'll say I have none in stock for the for grocery. Okay. I've even considered doing that same automation by learning the new like the they like a new app called Home Charts. If you're familiar with that. Home charts. I am not. What is that? No, I've never, I haven't, can you explain that for everyone? Home charts. Home charts is basically if you combine like grocery, if you combine like Todoist, like you do your to do list, you have a you have inventory, battery stuff. It's a combination, literally one app to control everything else. So you have like you have like your note, you have like notes, you have. It's basically also like Bookstack. It has. Uh, it's just. It's something I came across about a few months ago, and I've mm-hmm. always wanted to play around with it. It's a Docker container you can spin up. So it's self-hosted, completely free, like open source. I'm imagining then. Uh, sort of. It's okay. It's semi, but it's still it's still a really cool project. It's it's in its early development stage, but I'm still really interested in it because it has an open REST API. Nice. So yeah, integrating integrating it wouldn't be a big deal. That's cool. Interesting. I'm I'm just looking at it right now. Um, might not be a bad thing to try out. It's kind of cool. I thought maybe they can have like if once once it's reached to a maturity age where it's actually in in like full like full version development, maybe later down the line it could be used as like an add on in, in the uh, Hasio supervisor or something. Yeah, like this is cool. I really like the uh, the look of this because I know I'm um, like obviously even before I'm using Grossy, um, but this seems to have you know meal planning um, and, and inventory as well, right? Pantry management and, and scanning. Yeah. So that could be, and if it's got a REST API, uh, it could easily be integrated with Home Assistant. Um, just you know using REST sensors and and switches and yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I I created a weird system with all of the Grossy stuff because I took what you had for your article. To like yep. to a level that it probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> I, <laughs> and even I, my level, people were like, "Dude, like, okay, there's automating your shopping list, but this is way too far, right?" Yeah. Um, and I was just using switches and and you know dates or you know co- daily automations to trigger things, right? So please, if there is a new level that you could take that to, I'm all ears. <laughs> well, I'm glad because I have a bunch of those. <laughs> so good, good. So. One of the other thing, one of the things that I currently am just like doing right now, I took one of those like you know those like you see in the stores where you like get a box of like macaroni and cheese and it pushes the stuff forward after you take a box out. Yes, yeah, yeah. like the the spring loaded thing. Yeah, I put a limit switch at the front of it so that once it opens and then closes right back, it minuses one out of stock. But if I push the switch, if I put like a there's a there's a two way switch, if I put it in one switch, it means I add more. Right. Oh, interesting. That's okay, cool. so when you're restocking, it can then you know say okay, you've put one more back into circulation. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so yeah, that's a new to, level. Hmm. Yeah, I, well, it gets it gets worse. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> 
I made, and I'm, I'm currently trying to get the bugs out of it. I made a kitchen scale in ESP Home where it uses like the HX711 like weight mm, scales, and, yep. and it has a, it has a, and it has a, what was it called? A, a PN532 NFC sensor. So mm-hmm. what I thought, what I thought is I put NFC stickers at the bottom of stuff that I need to weigh, flour, cereal, stuff like that. And then every time I put it on there, it scans it and says, hey, I know what item this is. I'm going to take its current weight and then huh. whatever its current weight and tear weight, I send it over to Grossi. That is awesome. Nice. I've actually thought about like, because obviously Grossi has the tear weight support in there and I've always been mm-hmm. like, oh, um, does that mean like, you know, you have your, your rest of your flour in a certain place in the pantry and you have a, you know, a scale there and you'd need to like have a scale for all your items. But that NFC idea, that's really cool because now you only need one scale and little tags, the cheapest chips on the bottom of a, a packet or, a, or your container so it knows what you're scanning and away you go. That is brilliant. That's a, Oh, that's kind of the idea because if I wanted to do this for my family, which is a generally older family, I wanted mm-hmm. to be simpler for them Yep. where mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I'm also making scripts for this thing to not only have it, the shopping list and the home assistant, but also back, back it up over to um, the Alexa shopping list. Yes. But also do something really odd because I found a, I found like Bearded Tinkerer made a video about having an online printer, especially using it like a D1 mini. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, it'd be cool because my grandfather is a little older, but he knows his way around technology. So I thought it'd be kind of cool. It's like, hey, I'm about to go to the store. So I'm just going to print off this, print off the list of what you need from that specific store. Oh, interesting. And I made it. I just did this earlier today. Um, I made a, I made an automation where if your device tracker from the home, from the home assistant app determines that you're, you're near a store and you're like, Oh, Hey, I'm out of this certain item and you're nearby these stores. Like if you're at a shopping center where it's like, you know, say like a Costco or even a Walmart or stuff like that. Hey, you're missing this from this store. So we might want to go, you might want to go get that while they're, while they're around. Plus, um, I made a little, I'm currently working on a, like an addition to Grossi where it can pull your items and then have your UPCs and then ask the coupon.com API to see if there is any active coupons for those items. Cool. Wow. So basically scan a barcode and then say, Hey, is there any discounts for this item or any sales? Away you go. Yeah. So cool. it's, it's nice. kind of just, ma- just making it easier for me to sh- save money. I yep. mean, I did, I-, I did integrate. Instacart into it so they can deliver those specific groceries. Nice. That's cool. Uh, did, did, uh, does Instacart have an open API too? No, they do not. They have an undocumented one, and I found a nice. GitHub project that uses Ruby on Rails to integrate with it. Okay. So, I, and me, I'm not a Ruby developer, so I had to just kind of trudge my way through and hope <laughs> I could find it. Yeah. They do. They base it off of the store number and then the item number of that store number. So I had to make a special, like, you know, text fields in Grossi to determine what item it is in what store. And then it can determine what's the best price and then say, hey, I have enough items in here that I could do an Instacart order. So do you, would you like me to send it an Instacart order? I was like, go for it. Hmm. That's cool. Very cool. That is kind of neat. So basically you've got grocery shopping more or less automated and or all the way up to your door potentially. Yeah, my, 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 I tell my dad this stuff and he looks and he's like, you, you do realize almost like, it seems like every automation you make, it's more, it's another pound you gain from the amount of laziness you have. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't automate the gym yet. 
I have. Okay. Of course sort of. Of course. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. Okay. So there was a post on the on the home assistant forum about a about a guy taking one of those Akara door sensors and putting a putting one of the car seat sensors in line with it instead of using the read switch. So what I thought this is gonna sound funny. So I put that door seat sensor on my exercise bike. And when I sit down and I have to do 30 minutes a day. So when I sit down on the, on the seat, it starts the timer in home assistant. But if I have to get up to go get water, it pauses that timer. But if I've, I've been off of that seat and I haven't right. finished that 30 minutes and, and I've been off of that seat for five minutes, my echoes consistently, ye- con- consistently yell at me. And then my entire house just, just blinks red until I get back on the chair. Nice. <laughs> I'm passive aggressive to myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so basically every every 10 minutes your cats are getting a heart attack from <laughs> the echoes yelling about something or the other. No, she she doesn't mind she doesn't mind loud noises because I I've been a, I've yeah. been a DJ for 15 years. I nice. I I have constant loud noises happening all the time. I think all you're missing is uh, an integration. Have you heard of there's a device called the Pavlock? Um, and it's a little bracelet that gives you an electric shock um, when you don't, you know, it's designed to make, you know, stand up more often um, or make you form habits. All you need to do is, you know, integrate it with their, I think they've got an API that you can integrate it with, and every 10 minutes, if you haven't been on that exercise bike, it sends you an electric shock just to remind you. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I considered buying that for my mom for Christmas because she has a problem with, like, you know, she has a problem with, like, talking so much that she forgets what she's doing. So it was a joke between me and a coworker because we work in the same office, me and my mom. So we thought we can buy her one of the Pavlocks, and That's I considered funny. buying one myself because I needed to lose. I needed to lose weight. I like that. That's a here's a Christmas present. We're going to electrically shock you for annoying us for talking. Yeah, to here's you a human shock collar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it's like it's it's just my my mom. My mom would look at me and says, "I love you anyway." That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's good. So in terms of like the technology stack you're using um, around the house, so you mentioned before you got Z-Wave, I can see it looks like you've got some form of colored lights in your background on the video. What is your, like, what sort of technology are you running around your smart home? Ah, oh, I'm glad you asked. So it's most, I, I just finished doing a Hyperion setup for my, for my, uh, for my TV in this room since each room that I work on, this is the first finished room we got into. Okay. So I recently bought those like cough bulbs. Like, have you ever heard of the cough bulbs that they already preloaded with the ESP Home? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I took those bulbs. I did not want to go ESP Home. Um, it was mostly because I like to have the a- animations of WLED. So mm-hmm. I did put these with WLED, but I did I did mess up one. I I had bulbs that I got for that I got recommended to by DigiBlur. The problem was is that. I did not. It was from ESP Home, and I wanted to transfer over to Tasmoda. Problem right. was is that I put the I put the minimal image on, and it did not have Wi-Fi Manager on it. So I had to hardwire it. But the second bulb that I had, I ripped the pads off of it. So rip. So yeah. it's not fun. But but to answer your question, I have I most of the stuff that I have around here is using either ESP Home for some of the switches that I have. Um, it's using Tasmoda for some of the pre-made stuff that I had flashed, like some Martin Jerry dimmers, some other like single pole switches, um, and then WLED recently for all of the lights. 
In fact, I started hacking like lights from a store called Five Below, if you're familiar with that. No. No? Maybe a local store or something? Okay. It, no, it's not local. Um, it's I think it's just in the eastern seaboard. So Five Below essentially is a store where they have stuff between $1 and $5 and then up to right. $10 and stuff like that. So. I have a I, I hacked a bunch of their lights, but it's mostly it's it's mostly because it they have cheap lights. Essentially you you turn the power on and off to change whatever color you want. That's essentially what it is. It's cheap, it just works. But I took the shells and I put WS twenty eight twelves in it and then well in one of them my favorite one, which is it has SK sixty eight twelves because I like warm white a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh I put a ESP01 in the base of these things. And then actually have them animated and use WLED with them. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, I guess that's a good so way like, to get around it. So you know those Govi lights that they have, where it reflects, where it reflects off the corner of a wall. Yep. Yep. They have a cheap one of those for fifteen dollars, and it uses just regular LEDs. Fifteen dollars is worth the metal it was made out of alone. So it was using like it was using like a high density kind of uh, aluminum. Which is great to cool off some WS2812. Mm. So I was like, I'm buying them anyway. Grand. That's cool. So I took the strips. I took the strips, put them on there. And then I have them animated. I have them animated with WLED. But I also decided to hook them all, including these two bulbs here. the And the three, like, bar, three things that are... Because one of them, I had one of the, uh, le- like, both of the legs on one of them got ripped off because it was cheap plastic connecting them together. I got I used that one and then the two that are still standing and these bulbs to integrate all into one Hyperion that's running right Raspberry Pi Zero. I am almost cooking that thing. I was gonna but say on is, a Pi Zero? Jeez. I'm co- well it's a Pi Zero two W. Okay, alright. Even so. Yeah, Even so it's still I'm still cooking the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With with your with your cloth wrapped cloth wrapped wires, I'm sure it's yes. gonna work out well. <laughs> Oh, I replaced. <laughs> this is the room I replaced the wires in. Okay, so okay. this one's fine. Don't worry. I haven't. I haven't had a house fire yet. <laughs> <laughs> Keep with yet, yet being the operative <laughs> word here. And that's bad for me to say because my day job is in insurance. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and um, I, I actually did. I actually did some home automation recommendations because I'm in insurance. Yep. Which yeah. is really cool because I because what some of our carriers support the thing. I, what is it? A roost. That's what it was called. Uh, if you're familiar with what a roost is, it's like one of those like it's one of the batteries you put in like fire like a, yes, like a yes, fire yes, detector. Yes. Yeah. So some home carriers, some like carriers for home insurance around this area, can use that as telematics data to help to help them like you know lower your lo- lower your uh, premium every month and stuff like that. So I thought it was kind of cool that I recommended that that to them because then that could help them along the lines to do stuff like that. Okay. Okay. That's kind of cool. I, I didn't actually realize that uh, insurance companies would look at that kind of stuff to say, hey, here's a point of, you know, doing whatever, well, right? A, a way to reduce your insurance costs, essentially. American insurance can do, it can do like small stuff like that. But yeah. I did hear from, I think, I think Lewis over at Everything Smart Home was, did, did an ad for, did an ad read for um, an insurance insurance out in the UK that had like smart home equipment to help you with like floods and stuff like that. Cause it was for like a pipe. It was for like a whole home, like power, sw- like a whole home water right. switch, which I wanted to do that myself because the mow and flow, when I saw that in the hookups video, I was like, that sounds wonderful to me. Cause then I could do some uh, kind of funky stuff. 
What would you want to do? Like, what kind of funky stuff would you want to do, though? Oh, what kind of funky stuff do I want to do? That's a loaded question. It is, yeah. So, so it's mostly, it's all, the well, not only just, you know, detecting leaks for its intended purpose, but I wanted to also make sure it doesn't trigger it off when I fill in rain barrels if it hasn't rained that much around this area, because I'm going to build a self-sufficient ESP home-powered uh, greenhouse. Cool. Okay. It's using. I, I'm thinking about using it like like having each individual pump in there, so it pumps the water when it's when it's needed based on the conductivity of the soil. But I'm not using those cheap sensors because they corrode so quickly. So my thought was is that because I like to grow fresh spices and ve- vegetables because my my grandfather is, has a huge green thumb and I wanted to help him with that and I want it to nice. be self sufficient so that I can have solar and everything else like that. If if I would have if I had I have all – I made blueprints for a lot of, like, different things to make for my home assistant specifically. I think it would have been just nuts to – like, I have a whole thick binder full of, like – what was it? It was, like – it was the greenhouse itself would have been self-sufficient, and I would have made the solar panels tilt of where the sun is because it's using – uh, I don't know if you're familiar with an O-drive. No, but is that, is that one of those, like, things to, to follow it's, essentially the sun? No, it's a, it's just a, it's a motor, it's a motor unit by Oscar Weigel. They make, he, he makes the, it's a board that can control BLDC motors as if they were stepper, like as if they were stepper motors or servos. Okay. So, so it uses an encoder and then it uses a BLDC motor. So you can actually, so I can have more strength to pull the solar panels without, without a lot of backlash either. So, and the cool news is, is that you can, there's multiple ways you can interface with it. You can use UART, you can use, and, and you can even use, um, what was it? it there's a, uh, there's a chip, there's like a chip on board that can help you with all of that, but there, it, you can actually input, uh, servo commands mm-hmm. specifically for it so that it can determine that. And all I need is, um, all I would need at that point is just a, an ambient, like ambient light sensors pointing at it and seeing where it can go. Right, so, so then, I have yeah, and then you would just follow the you would tell these solar panels just to follow the sun around, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And I also considered in that same thing when I build the greenhouse, I consider putting a projector screen on the on one of the outside eaves, so that if I wanted to watch TV out, like watch anything outside, it would be pre built into the into the greenhouse, and all I would need is projector. That way, I can make it multi purpose because mm. I. I take I take the I take the inspiration from like Alton Brown from Good Eats. I do yep. not want single taskers. Yep, yep, that's yeah. fair. So I like to I like to like push things to its absolute fullest. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's I mean I don't, I don't disagree with you. Might as well go all out, right? If you're doing it, so. I mean, I did. I was about. To, I'm. I'm still working on project so I can 3D print Thanos's Infinity Gauntlet from the Avengers. Right and. And having it do certain functions in Home Assistant based on what stones I pick. Nice. Okay. Like what? So, so I have an accelerometer built into one in, into this into the uh, Infinity Gauntlet. So, if I pick the time stone and I move for uh, move backwards, it can show me using like save states of certain time frames. Like if you if I did this in the evening, it would show me what the afternoon looked like in what room that it's in because it's using bluetooth low energy and i have like i have like esp32s around that's using like uh like you know uh be it like bluetooth low energy location stuff so i have it so if i go back it can tell me, it can make it look like what happened during this room like 
like what lights were what lights were on during that time were the blinds open and stuff like that yeah and right. and if i go and if i go forward it uses an ai i programmed in python to determine what it would look like in the forward stage so if i did this in the evening it would show me what it would look like at around the midnight and then just the overnight era okay that's pretty that's cool so how would you know like what like, are you using scenes to say, okay, this is what the scene would be at that time, and therefore four hours ago it was this time, so this is what scene would be done? Or are you using, like, you know, what actually, like, are you using some form of history recording to say what had happened? Like, how are you? Yeah, I, 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 use, a hist- I use history recording and scenes. Okay. But some of the scenes have minor modifications based on who operated it. Because there's some scenes like how these colors you can see reflecting off of me, like purple and green, they're, they're, they're specific to based on like, they're, they're specific based on like, uh, like what time of day it is, it, and it's specific on who it is. I live alone, but I do have some programs based on, based on like what person enters a certain code in the smart door lock since I have like the one of those quick set 916s, yeah. like Z Wave locks. Yeah, yep, yep. Which I, which is funny because I have a special code for when I have women over. <laughs> so, Interesting. Okay, this one's it's, it's kind of funny where I have like Broadlink RM minis, and I and when I came when I first moved into this house, they it had a mantle with a with an electric blowing fireplace. It looks like a it, it blo- it's just blowing hot air. Yeah. But it has like a visual for a fireplace. So I thought nice, to myself, yeah. I think I know what I want to do. I'm going to make an alternate code to unlock the door. It's going to be me. But when I have when I have a girl over, it's going to turn all of my lights purple. It's going to go to Spotify, play all over the house, can play Marvin Gaye, and just you know, and then it's gonna and then it's gonna turn on the fireplace, and then I just walk in. It's like, oh, this this is nothing. This is how I live life. That's funny. <laughs> it's like uh, in Tesla's, they have uh, romance mode or whatever, right? Which is like one of the apps in there, and basically open it up, and it's got the fire, and it's got the heaters going for the for the heat, and, and then you awesome. tap it again, and it plays. Uh, it, it's it's like it's basically just plays like something from their like romance like playlist playlist I would, thing. I would yeah. love I would love a Tesla, yeah. but I can't. There's not a. There's only like one Tesla charging location in in this general area within fifty miles. Yeah. So and one of the cool things is but I, powered I by coal. Do these, that's right. <laughs> but but here, but the best part about this whole thing is that I kind of modified my 2020 Kia Soul to do some of these things. That's cool. I I I made an I made this is gonna sound nuts I made a I made an ESP32 running WLED running underglow for the interior and the exterior since underglow is legal in my state. Interesting. So, then I also I also pro, hand program it was a nightmare to program but in ESP Home I made a special program that could interface with an ELM chip which means it can it can it can give me UART data for for my OBD2. Cool. And then have because I used to have those like uh, automatic EB, OBD2 sensors yeah, yeah, before yeah. they went out of business before they went out of business because of uh because of COVID. Yeah. So so I needed to find something a little more local and make it make it work. And yeah. then I added the I added an extra piece of code that uses like what Luma's code where it's like car presence detection. Okay. So that if it hooks onto the Wi-Fi, it's it's your your car your car's home stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I I integrated a part of it into an ESP home project. So I have multiple different things going on. I made a I made a horn out of a DF player and a giant and a gigantic like 15 watt horn that I mounted in the grills of the front of the car, and I get away with some really weird stuff. Nice. 
like That's... i i have so ma- i have so many sounds going on like on a button panel that i made and it's just it just gets nutty it does yeah 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 <laughs> that's awesome so out of out of all of these what what is your like if you had to rate your most favorite automation what do you what do you think that would be my actually my most favorite automation is the is the family network where mm-hmm. i have all of my family's houses connected together into one Okay. So I use zero. I use zero tier nodes to connect my fa- my family's businesses and also our houses. They're aware that I do this, so don't worry. I'm 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 pretty transparent with it. Right. So I I make special automations for specific neighbors because we're about we're about like a few distance apart. Except my sister, she's down south in Florida. Mm-hmm. But what we're what I planned to do was that if like for example my grandfather went on vaca- like vacation, then the neighbor would be my uncle. And my uncle would get notifications if something happened to the, his house while he was gone, okay. because there's a special there's a special vacation node. And since my my server is a master server and it has access to all of it, it can determine what notifications get sent to a specific phone in what, and then it shows up as entities through the remote home assistant component in hacks. It shows up as entities temporarily as in vacation mode. Got it. Okay. So it's a it's a security thing really because. We're we're a very tight knit family, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to start make things a little safer in our area. So I wanted to make sure that if I'm on vacation, then my house is taken care of. They can t- they can take a look at the cat when she's when she's uh, when she's going. Sure, you know, some somebody can help me out while I'm gone. I can help my parents out when they're gone. My grandfather and my and my uncle can't so, really do much about my sister because she's <laughs> down in Florida. Sure, but she's part of the whole thing too. I'm guessing trying to work out. So you've got. Uh, let's say you've got your phone connected to Home Assistant, so it knows your home. If you then connect to your family's Home Assistant, you know, which is a bit far away, Home Assistant will know, okay, you're away from home and you're also so far away from home that the house should be in vacation mode for you. Would that be accurate? That would be accurate because where I have all of them, can all of the home assistants are connected onto their own zero tier network. Yep. All Any states can go, can go to my master node and... I have individual views for like a summary of how the house is doing, right? Okay. And it can ha- and it can hand out it can hand out um, notifications based on who's on vacation because there are have been times where my uncle and my parents go on vacation at the same time, so updates to me and my grandfather is probably it's 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 still in beta, but it's still working to a degree that I like it. Like nice, it's still it's every everything's a work in progress when it comes to home when home automation. Right, right, right. right. No, the that's project awesome. is never complete. Yeah. No, it's never complete. That's right. I'm still working on I'm still working on like automated washers and dryers, just so that I have like a ro- robot arm that takes it into the washer and dryer since I'm that nuts and I would be able to do that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I I remember that Ty Pol- like there was a video I found that was like Ty Polowski. He made he made an automatic like shirt folder. Using like three motors and three D printed parts, like you know those like things you see in stores where they yeah. have like the yeah yeah. So so I wanted to make something like that too, and just have it and just have it like I wanted to make a whole series about stuff I've seen on YouTube, but make it like Home Assistant upgraded. Okay. So it can be automated to a degree. I I don't I don't know why I want to do that. I just think it's just kind of fun. Do it where I want it. You like, should. I w- I've I've always wanted to get into YouTube, but I've never had the experience to do it. But you can only get experience if you actually do it. So I'm in that little rut there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's it, that's it. But 
But yeah, I do a lot. I do a lot around my house where I tr- I try to help all of my family out with all of the notifications I have. Plus, also since my mom's office is connected in, as in its own like pie, where it has like it's it's a little incubator space right now where mm-hmm. we can determine if somebody's in in the office when they really shouldn't be, like when we're out. So it's it's it gets security updates to my my parents home assistant cool. and one of one of the other things that i do is that since my dad and i have been entertainers for a combination of like 30 years around this area mm-hmm. we we have trailers that are filled, filled with gear and that's a huge security concern around here because i mean it's expensive stuff yeah sure. so easy to transport so, around right so easy to go walking by itself yeah so the idea was is that i run a very minimal version of home assistant on like a uh, I, I did it on a Raspberry Pi Zero, but I'm going to put it to a Zero 2W because that one probably has a little more power behind mm. it. So my thought was is that I wanted to have automated lights in there. He, My dad mounted LED strips inside of it so he can see when it's like dark and dark as night. Yep. Yeah. And that's cool. That's great, but it, it's, it's hanging off the walls. It's not great. And I told him, dude, I can help you with that. And then when you open the doors, it can determine whether it's when it's night or day, when I can put like a little light sensor right in the groove of the door, it can say, Hey, it's nighttime. I can't see anything. So it's just going to like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to turn it on real quick. But it only does that when the door is open, since there's going to be a contact sensor. Where so, is the power so the, coming from for the, to power all this? Um, the power act, since it's mostly going to be attached to the, tr- it's going to be attached to the truck and there is a power, to- he has a gigantic rig, so he okay. has power going straight to it when he carries this thing. This is mostly meant for like when he goes out to shows into different cities so that, because he never, he never like unmounts the trailer and then just stores it. He has to keep it mounted to his truck for mm-hmm. security things. And I, I, I tend to agree with him. Yeah, that makes sense. So that is... That's one of the things I try to do, and like, there's like a bunch of other things I wanted to try and do because uh, he has a he has a tour bus, and we are it, it's currently in my backyard, and that's why I can't really build a greenhouse right now because my my dad's tour bus took up like half my backyard. Right. So he's turn he's turning that into like a schooly ish, but um, one of the things that he he bought this specific bus from somewhere in Georgia, and it was really cool because it has no stairs. Okay. It has all it has is ramps. It was made especially for uh, like wheelchairs accessibility. It was yeah. made, yeah. And this is great because we can carry gear in it as well. Right, that makes sense. So that that kind of like that kind of thing would be grand, and that having automations based off of that. Where I I told him I was like, dude, we can run a Zigbee node in here and have IKEA furters running all, all because there are giant windows. Yeah, and they and he wanted blinds for those, so I thought IKEA furters. Yeah, you want to go for that? And they put their own work. battery unit of them. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a open bus. You can just do whatever you want. Run it directly mm. through an inverter. Yeah, we and then we considered. I I made him a system where it uses an inverter. It's it's really cool because uh, I wanted to I wanted to make like an inverter that's not like a pre made one. Like I know Linus Tech Tips did one about uh, like the Jackery units, mm-hmm. but I needed more. I needed more like battery i needed more like battery feedback so so i can determine like how much battery capacity do i have so i use i'm i i, I came up with a concept that uses like they use like an ina 219 like i squared c sensor so that i'd be yeah. able to determine like how much voltage comes through 
And then I use like approximation to make that work. Like it's like there was a project I can't remember what it was, but it was a oh it was the Open Solar project. It was originally using um it was it's a uh, it's a repository on GitHub where it uses like it uses like a droke like charging unit, and then it can deter and it can output that as MQTT messages. That would be that would be very sufficient for me because yeah. again it still it, it still goes on the ethos of being local. Which is a cool thing because I wanted to also make everything make make it so that it doesn't require internet, but when it does have internet, it does some extra stuff that's not that's not like you know mission critical. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so like updating like the location state to through the zero through the family zero tier nodes, um, and then one of the cool things is that my dad was like, I want to be able to stream like you did because I have a Plex server that I serve to the family, so we we. My parents, well, my grandparent, my grandfather specifically, he bought a lot of movies when Blockbuster went out of business around this er- around this area. Yeah. So he wanted me to just rip the existing DVD since he's going to still own them, and sure. then just be able just be able to just stream them whenever he wants to because I don't want him going up and down the stairs looking for that one DVD he mm-hmm. bought in two thousand eight. Yeah. So I, I made the Plex server and then I upgraded it even more so that the rest of the family could use it and things like that. But my dad wanted that kind of f- functionality in the bus with no internet, and I figured out a way to do it using Jellyfin. Yep. And since Jellyfin on a Roku TV works great without internet, which is really surprising to me, but I found out. So that I thought really about surprises I, me. I yeah, like how how do you get the movies into the bus? Like, is it like R-Sync to cross or oh, R? Oh, okay, actually, sync thing. Because I wanted, I wanted a, uh, I wanted the integration with Home Assistant to determine how how much has been synced, and then I used an app called Overseer that's mm-hmm. also like self hosted. So I'd be able to say, so I can tell them is like tell it what movies you want, like from my system, and then it cross references it with a PyCon script and says, hey, I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give you this as a cron job. So I want you to take, I want you to take these movies that you requested and put it over to and put it over to this file. Right. So that I can I can synchronize it right, and then I'm guessing yeah, like Jellyfin or Plex will then pick it up and have it available in on that bus without internet. Correct. Right, makes sense. So I I try to I try to like extend technology to a point where it's almost insane. Yes, yes, almost. I mean, when we started the episode, what it was the passive aggressive uh, toilet door. Uh, so yes, I think that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I I have done some. I've done some other odd things, especially with especially with using ESP Home, because I can get away with some kind of dumb things with it. Um, I have these. I, I'm right now building a node for this bed for this bed in my bedroom where I have drawers under the bed. So I wanted to I wanted to reuse the LED strips that I ripped out of those bars that I mentioned. Yeah. So I wanted to re, I wanted to reuse them. So and since they're five volt like RGB like analog strips. They're not hard. I don't have to run like a 12 volt rail or anything else like that. I can just run straight five volts off of a D1 mini and be fine. Plus, I wanted like like sensor, like one of those sensors where it can determine if I'm in bed or not. Mm-hmm. So, I thought combining it all together in one would be cool. So I have six. Since I have six drawers, I have six contact sensors, and then six tiny bits of the of the light strip of those cheap ones. Put them in there, and then each contact is going into an ESP Home node. For like an ESP32, and then it's determining like when the door opens, it turns on the light. The reason I want that kind of connected 
is mostly because I can still have the lights glow even if the doors aren't open. So I can still, because my house is basically one giant gaming PC at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Like if you think of a, a gaming PC with you know all the RGB lights in the middle of the the PC case, I'm guessing that's like your house, right? Oh yeah, like I started with LifeX bulbs, like mm-hmm. the original LifeX stuff, and then I moved into getting into getting into like to you convert stuff when that was still alive, and I just got a lot of the bulbs on like really good sales, and then I started getting into putting all of those bulbs of whatever I can into WLED because I like because I like the pre-made stuff in WLED like effects and stuff because I can't really do that much in Tasmoda, let alone ESP Home. But again, everything in this house has a use case for Tasmoda, ESP Home, or WLED. And I have all three of them, and I have no affinity for each of them. They just have their different use cases. Yeah, I can understand that. And you you know, if you find what use case works for you and, and you go with it, right? Yeah. So I I kinda I kinda find a lot of I, I use a lot of stuff around here where I can automate stuff like my stairs and Automating a trash can. That was fun. Like inside the house or outside the house? Uh, well, okay, both. One, the inside part, it uses a it uses a um, ultrasonic sensor in the lid that I installed mm-hmm. to determine how much capacity is in the trash can. And since they're using ESP01s, it's not taxing. And they're using um and it's using like uh like one eighteen six fifty cell. So it only wakes up every a little bit, so it doesn't drain the cell completely. That's awesome. So you could have like a, a card in Home Assistant that says, you know, inside trash bin is fifty percent full. Yeah, and then when trash day comes around, using like the trash component, like there was a custom what custom one for hacks. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. When that when it co- when it comes around, it can determine how much is in in the trash can and say, hey, you need to take this this trash from this room, take it from this room, and take it out. Which leads into the outside part of this, where I live on a little bit of a hill, so it's been a little bit of a challenge for me to to get this working. But I got a stable one working for my grandfather, since he lives a little flatter. My thought was is that I hacked one of those hoverboards. I hacked the hoverboards just to get the motor and the wheels out, put it in one of those like bit like one of the bins with the wheels on it. Yep. And so that it take so it takes itself out to the curb and then parks itself and then after the ex- the accelerometer says hey I've just been upside down that means I just got emptied, so it puts it down and then it takes it back to its safe place like locked up in in my grandfather's case it'd be my garage his garage. See that's pretty cool. Okay. Thanks. Wow. So I'm imagining this is going to be on like the local news as a terrifying you know bin that just driving itself around the house <laughs> or something. Um, but wow, yeah, yeah because I, I've done some terrifying things, and I've shown a lot of this off when I when I do Raspberry Jam coordinations because mm-hmm. I'm the only one in the state of West Virginia that's certified Raspberry Pi educator. Yep. Okay. Well, there you go. So that makes sense why you're so good with all the Raspberry Pi stuff, right? Well, yeah, because I, I have I have I have a like on my arm I have a t- I have a tattoo of a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> I'm, I'm that that dedicated. I'm, 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 I'm all I, I freaked out the people when I went down to go get my certification because it was I, I talked to the Raspberry Pi Foundation that were that was doing the certification. Yep. One of one of the people said I think yeah, Matt, one of the guys that's over the US district of the Raspberry Pi Foundation. He said, I'm the biggest fan of Raspberry Pis. I walked it up to that man, I showed him my tattoo, and I was like, You want you you now have a new challenger. Wow. <laughs> that's cool. But see, I also feel like if you worked there, you would never get a tattoo of that. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, I would. I would. Oh, really? I, That's I'm cool. Just kind of, I'm, because I'm turning this also, my arm, into a gigantic sleeve of a circuit board. Nice. See, that's that's really neat. Yeah, I, I would never get a tattoo of a logo of my work because <laughs> I love them, but not that much. It's it's funny because because I'm making each little chip on my arm like stand for something I work I, I use like I was I already have a home assistant one in the works nice. for a tattoo because I really because that and then an ESP home one because I think the logo looks fantastic Tasmoda and then stuff like that stuff that I. I haven't gotten away with, uh, like, I, I love their projects, and I just love to have it as, like, a giant circuit board, because I've been in smart home for lo- for the longest period of my, of a hobby, or even a job at this point. So, yeah. I mean, I like to show off that I can do a lot of cool stuff and get away with some weird things, too. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I like it. Well, Brett, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You certainly, uh, I didn't think you could go as far as... Uh, you have with Grossy. I you think you've given me some ideas on how further I'm going to take Grossy. Um, and yeah, I think the hoverboard automating the trash can is absolutely fantastic. I think if if my rubbish collection was able to put the bin in the same place uh, every time and there wasn't a fear of it, you know, driving itself into a neighbor's house halfway down the street, maybe I'd consider it. But yeah, I think there's definitely some yeah, good inspiration. I considered it. Yeah, I considered a modification for mine where I wanted to make like a little trash can. I wanted to build out of wood, like a trash can corral, because I know because in my specific area, people like to steal trash cans, like the good ones. Yeah. So I wanted to make a I wanted to make a trash can corral that uses like magnetic locks, so that it only unlocks during the times where the trash trash man work because our trash system is not like the like the normal national one. It's it's run by the city. So they have to go, they have a strict time of when they go through certain areas and how they do it. So I know what time they always come here. So right. it only, un, it, it un, it'll unlock the doors only once. And then once you close the doors, it locks back and then says, Hey, I just recorded time. I just recorded. They took the trash out at this time. Interesting. Well, yeah, Brett, thank you so much. Um, we do appreciate it. We will have links to, uh, yeah, all the stuff that we've uh, talked about today. I'll try and uh, flesh that all out in the show notes. Um, yeah, Brett, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate well, thank it. Thank you. Cheers. 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 If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H A S S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.